Welcome to the ElfQuest Show, the internet's only fan-made podcast series dedicated to the long-running, award-winning, epic fantasy series ElfQuest, created by Wendy and Richard Peeney. I'm David Mizajewski, also known as Thornbreak on the ElfQuest forums. Joining me is my friend and fellow ElfQuest uber geek, Ryan Brown. Ryan's our editor and producer, working the magic to put this podcast together. This is part four of our review of ElfQuest, the Final Quest special. So, um, so yeah, so the, 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 the big thing village. that happens in the Sun Village is, well, I mean, we see Lita kind of reminiscing about, um, you know, th- this is where she was born, where her children were born, where she lived her whole life, and now it's in ruins. Mm-hmm. Um, but the big thing, the big thing that happens in the scene is that dun, Windkin dun, finally dun, reappears, right? Windkin, and, um, yeah. If you weren't picking up on the, you know, the the not so subtle foreshadowing yeah. about his Several return, mm-hmm. yeah, um, then, then 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 here flesh. he is. And um, okay, skin. so so I really I I I think Winkin is cool, and I I, I think he's Winkin. cool in part because he's not your typical sunny happy elf. And we might have talked about this on one of the previous episodes too, so I won't go too in depth on this. But you know, most of the elves are shiny happy people, mm-hmm. and Winkin is is not you know he's kind of brooding he's got a little bit of a dark side um you know he's this ancient being i mean he's over ten thousand years old because he didn't sleep when the palace was away um he's this loner that kind of wanders the planet and you know could be gone for decades at a time um before he came back to the sun village and and who knows what he got up to during those time periods right Mm -hmm. um and so he's just interesting to me because he's not portrayed as a as a bad guy and in most stories that where there's a character like that, it's, you know, it's a villain and he, he's this, you know, he's kind of between the light and the shadow mm-hmm. and the very fact that there are characters that exist like that in ElfQuest is yet another thing that I love about it. And that I think <clears throat> makes it the rich story that it is because you just don't see that in a lot of other stories where, um, you know, you have this kind of neutral character that, um, has good good qualities and some bad qualities. Definitely, yeah. Uh, you realize now I'm going to hear that REM song every time I see a scene <laughs> of the elves in the palace, right? So, Sorry. Yeah, thanks a lot. Um, yeah, no, Winkin is really interesting because he's uh, full of he's very complex and he's full of um, uh, contradictions. Um, I mean, he's he's not an evil character, like you said, but there's there's aspects of his personality that one might define as being sort of antisocial or right. um, slightly pessimistic. Uh, yeah, he's he's definitely darker than we normally get. Right. Uh, I mean, he's even talking about, you know, essentially committing suicide. Yes, yes. Um, he's which, depressed, I think. Yeah, which is, which is an interesting thing um, now that we brought that up because the only other elf that we kind of know that – Yes. And I'm using air quotes here, um, you know, committed suicide. I'm not even Yor- going to try to say his name. You- I pronounce it Yorick. Okay. That's what I would um, say too. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and um, for folks that don't remember, Yorick is, um, he was one of the rootless ones 
who was the foundation of the Sun Village. Um, he was Sava's recognized life mate and um, you know, father of the original inhabitants of the village, and he was a rock shaper. And his story is told in the Journey to Sorrow's End novelization. He, his name crops up a, a couple times in the actual comment, c- comics, um, but you never really hear a story in the comics. Um, but uh, in the novelization, you get his backstory. And essentially, he shaped the Bridge of Destiny and became so obsessed with his it pushing the limits of his rock shaping magic that he kind of just, you know, he almost like left his body and let his body d- get taken away in a gust of wind off of the bridge of destiny and right. plummeted to his death. He stepped off the bridge and Savile allowed it because that was his choice. Right. And so wow. this, this gets at, um, so, so right there you kind of have this, this, uh, similarity maybe between Winkin and Yurik. They're both magic users, but different different kinds of magic. But you know, maybe an echoing of Yurik in Winkin while they're standing underneath the Bridge of Destiny. Um, well, David, and- do you remember the Love Mage calendar where we got the image of yep. Ava and Yurik together? Yeah, which well, is one of my favorites from that calendar. Do you see the resemblance? And their hair is the same. Well, Yurik's hair isn't curly close. or wavy, but yeah, totally. They do. They have the same sort of color palette. That exactly. is really interesting. Yeah. Although they have no. Yeah, let me. Would think they? For a second. Would they have any sort of? No, they wouldn't have any connection. No, well, they might. No. They might through Tildak's lineage, if Tildak and Yurik's ancestors right. were related at some point. Well, which since is we're, possible. We're, yeah, it is possible because um, one of my theories is that um, is that Yurik and the Rootless Ones were part of Val's band before he took them into Blue Mountain. Yeah, that's what I think too. And if you look back in the original quest when Val is telling the Wolf Riders kind of the, the story of how they came to be in Blue Mountain, and he makes a comment like, you know, the young of my generation and the next all followed me, but... Um, but some didn't. Some didn't heed my warning that we needed to shut ourselves away from the world. And in that panel, you see this elf. Um, he's kind of putting on a fur vest. Yes. And, and if you look at that elf uh-huh. and then you look at Yurik from the Lovemates calendar, it's the same character. Is it the same one? If you look at the face, it's it's totally the same character. Okay, I'm going to go back and look at that. So I know exactly who you're talking about, but I never put the two together. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah. It, yeah, maybe maybe there is some distant relation genetically to Tildak. They kind of look alike. Um, and so that would be an interesting thing to explore. Now, whether or not that was intentional or, or not, or if it was just, again, sort of something that happened unconsciously on Wendy and Richard's part, you know, remains to be seen. But uh, interesting that you point that out. The other thing, though, that I think is interesting about bring, bringing up Yurik here is that, you know, it, it's been said that his, you know, sort of his, his spirit went into the rocks. Yes. Um, and so, you know, this whole question of the rocks moving in, in Sorrow's End during the time of the, the, the rebels and Jink and Future Quest, you know, who's causing that? And we, a lot of people assume that it was Audrey because when those stories were told, the last we had seen of Audrey was that she was in rap stuff in the cave behind the sun symbol over the Bridge of Destiny. We know from the events of the Searcher and the Sword that, um, that she's not there anymore, that, right. that the trolls took her away and then uh, Tree Stump and Clearbook rescued her now. Well, and, who the hell is it? Right. And so, well, well, number one, Winkin is sensing 
you know, he's sensing Audrey's spirit in the rocks. Yeah. And so my little pet theory is that, you know, Audrey's act of hero- heroicism, um, st- taking a little palace and luring the humans and the troll that were trying, that were attacking Sorrow's End away so that Sava and the rest of the Sun Villagers could get away. Mm-hmm. Um, and the magic that she used to break the Bridge of Destiny, um, maybe infuse a little bit of her magic, her living magic into the rocks, maybe adding to the living magic of that, that Yorick left there. Or, and so that to me could be an explanation for why the rocks move all on their own. Okay. Um, kind of like a pool of magic okay. that is left behind by these, these rock shaping elves. Um, sure. And that, so, so in other words, there doesn't need to be anybody in rap stuff anymore in the future time of the future quest. It could just be a bit of, Yorick and Audrey and maybe other rock shapers magic that sort of has been infused into the rock from so many generations of elves living there. Well, we know that that, that can happen with the elves magic, right? I mean, we've exactly, seen that before yeah. where it's, it stays in one place or it, it moves around and it's um, like, it's what created mad coil. Uh, yeah. So um, yeah. it happens. And, um, and, and it's what it, it's, it's, it's very clearly what happened in, um, in the time of, of, the future quest tales with, with blue mountain and the blue mountain mm-hmm. blue mountain regrows itself from this exact same kind of ma- like magic that's infused into the rock right so i could see that happening in sorrows and too maybe to a lesser degree because there were less powerful rock shapers there or less or fewer rock shapers but anyway that's my pet theory and, and 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 the reason i bring it up here is that it would explain why winkin senses audrey in the rocks mm-hmm. uh, because would... if she's not there and her magic's not there. Then why? Like, what? What is his? What is you know, it? Why? Why does he think that? Well, I um, wonder if we're going to get an actual explanation on that uh, from Wendy and Richard in the story. Yeah, I, I, I have no idea. Yeah. I'm just going to have to wait and see. <laughs> um, getting back to Winkin, though, I, I've been so confused about what's going on with Winkin as far as what he's been up to. Um, just with the various timelines, I get so lost because there's been different stories about him in the anthology. Mm-hmm. Um, he met up with a couple of wave dancers at one point. Uh, right. He was in and out of rap stuff. So you're saying he's 10,000 years old now? Like, I, I'm just so confused as to his, um, like, what's gone on with him. Well, I don't remember him um, being ever in rap stuff. I think oh, he... Oh, no? Oh, okay. Yeah, I think he stayed out of rap stuff when the... Um, you know, when all the other elves went into rap stuff, that's oh. when he went on his, his, his various journeys. Okay. Um, and that's when, you know, he discovered the forever green and that's when he tells his story later in this issue, which yeah. maybe we should just skip to that. Um, well, it's really the next thing that comes up, um, is we learn that at one point during the, the wolf riders long sleep on one of his journeys, which like I was saying before, for all we know, lasted decades and decades. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he ends up bumping into Takabi and Tildak and having adventures you know, with them. Adventures with them, absolutely. Well, just quickly before we get into that, let's just go. Okay, so what happened? They got into the pod, there was an earthquake, the three of them get into the pod and they go back to the Holt, right? Where the palace yep. is. They arrive back in the palace. Um, Winkin gets to see Sava again, the mother of memory, who he spent thousands of years with near Sun Village. Um, and then he uh, reunites with Audrey which is great. So that's a nice little scene there. And also um, he's acknowledged by his grandsire, Treestone, which is also yeah. because it establishes that they're family. And uh, I, I always, I love that about ElfQuest is that the, the family ties aren't 
forgotten. Like there, despite the you know sometimes with the now wolf thought there might be some fading memories. Mm-hmm. Uh, the minute Winkin arrives back, Tree Stump says, you know, that's uh, something about him being his grandson or. Yeah, he he calls him. Let's see, what does he say? Um, oh, it's it's at it's sort of his eye grandson. Yeah, and what he and he invites him to 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 you know kind of come underground, and um, you know sort of help with the 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 blacksmithing that he is doing with Clearbrook's help and with Audrey's help. Yeah, which they, is, yeah. establish their um, their relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also like the fact that there was a, a little reference to. Um, which would would have been in the very distant past in Winkin's mind, um, the story of when the uh, when Kabi invaded the uh, the Sun Village and Winkin held the little palace and and felt its power to enhance his magical ability to fly mm-hmm. and and he's kind of referencing that in the scene when he's flying Lita and um, and Skyways up to the little palace pod. So I thought that yes. was kind of a neat little reference back to that other story. But but the right. you you mentioned the um, the reunion scene mm-hmm. with. Well, I was actually wondering if there was going to be kind of a rehash of the orgy scene from the first uh, from the original <laughs> series, but that didn't happen. So. <laughs> why? Why? Why would you think that? Uh, well, remember last time I said I have to mention it in every podcast. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, no, I, just, I, I had I, to get it in there somewhere. I had completely forgotten. <laughs> I, I, you know, listen, knowing these characters, anything you could happen. Know. And given, uh, you know, a reunion of a long dead, uh, a, a character that, you know, was thought to be dead and her, uh, her love mate. Exactly. I mean, who knows what that could spark. Definitely. Right. It could happen. Um, um, <laughs> but what I was going to say was, it's, I told it's, you it's, I would do it. I told you I would do it. I know. Well, now I'm going to be on the lookout for it. I'll try to set you up next time. Okay. Um, <laughs> But um, no, this scene was really interesting um, because, again, you know, normally we, we kind of are used to seeing, you know, these kind of gushy, lovey-dovey, um, sort of unquestioning relationships in ElfQuest. And Winkin kind of hesitates. Yeah, definitely. Which is kind of interesting. You know, he's like, wait, I thought you were dead. and And I don't think it's like a negative thing, like, I don't, uh, I'm not happy that you're alive, but he just is like, he doesn't just sort of immediately go into glowing, gushing happiness, you know, again, shiny, happy people. He kind of has this like moment of like, whoa, what the hell is going on? And he pauses and he kind of holds her, holds her back for a second before finally embracing her, uh, which is, you know, kind of neat. And and it's very um, much in character for him. uh, Right. Being sort of the, the darker kind of, um, complex individual that he is, right? He's not necessarily just going to jump into her arms. He's like, w- like you said, like, what the hell? I thought you were right. dead. Like, are, what's going on? Yeah. 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 So, um, th- so, so now I, I think we, we, we obviously have to talk about, you know, this huge bomb that. Okay. We well, can... just wait quickly before we do. <laughs> okay. Uh, we get one panel of Nightfall and Redlands together and Nightfall says that she, um, she says, while I slept, I dreamed Cavi tore my cocoon open and woke me. Or did I dream? So there's another reference to the now wolf thought there. Yeah, or, and or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe maybe we'll discover that, you know, the events of that Cavi miniseries maybe aren't 100% canon. Oh, um, okay, I didn't think of that. I was thinking that was more of a reference to the now wolf thought and how easily the wolf riders forget. 
Right. Yeah. Well, again, it could be both. It, and maybe it, that's if it does turn out that some of the that 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 miniseries isn't 100 percent canon um, in this in the in the final quest telling, um, it, it, you know, maybe it could be chalked up to to Nightfall's now Wolf thought sort of misremembering events. You know, who knows? True enough. Um, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. But it's relevant to this this conversation because Winkin, you know, again drops this bomb yeah. that, yeah, oh yeah. By the way, I, I I don't remember if I even told any of you guys this story, but um, but by the way, I spent all these years traveling with Kavi and Tildak, and um, which is I, I loved on so many levels. Um, I've always liked Tildak especially yes. as he kind of grew and evolved. Can I and while, I have to ahead. tell you something. Um the reason I got into reading Elfquest was because of Tildak. No way. Yeah, because when I was 13 years old I went into a comic book shop with my dad and I was looking at the comics and I was reading X-Men at the time and mm-hmm. I saw Elfquest on the shelf and it was uh Hidden Years 9 and a half and it had the centerfold in it uh the Rats Wild Cards and Loners. Uh-huh. And I just happened to pick it up and look at it, and I looked at the centerfold, and I saw Tildak, and I thought it was the coolest character that I had ever seen. I just loved his character design. I know a lot of people think that he's ugly or freaky looking. I think he looks awesome. I think he's just so cool, the visually. Um, and so that I bought that issue, and then from there, I started collecting ElfQuest. Oh my god, reading. that is... That's like the coolest story ever. <laughs> so uh, Tildak is like one of my favorite characters. So what happened in this issue for me was um, I was upset. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah. What was your reaction uh, to to the news that Tildak is 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 dead? Tildak's dead. Yeah, I was really I was upset. I was really upset. Yeah. Yeah, because he was uh, he's one of my favorite characters, and I feel like he was my introduction into this entire series. So to lose him um, was really upsetting for me. Yeah, um, I, I, I've like I said, always liked Tildak too. I don't, I didn't have the same kind of um, attraction to him. Yeah, connection to him. Yeah, as you did. Um, but I, I, I can totally relate. I was, I was really sad. I was disappointed. Not, not that, not that it happened. Like I understand, you know, if that's the way the story goes, it's not sure. kind of that, you know, that sort of. Oh, I can't believe they killed him off. I'm so, you know, bummed no. about that. But it, I was like genuinely sad that the character was gone. Yeah, because um, it's. I mean, even if we see him in spirit form now. It's not, it's not Tildak. Like it's not him in his with his wings and everything. I, it's just that he's that that character is gone now. Yeah, because I'm I'm Which, certain that when we see him in spirit form, he will be in his original. Um, right. Yeah. Um, right. I I, I, w- I would guess so too. I mean, we we saw one eye kind of manifest himself with both eyes. Um, yes. You know, and so cool. my. my yeah, I think that the elves can probably appear how they, they choose to appear right. when they sort of appear visually. And he um, clearly was unhappy with his form. Exactly, and that's what this whole little sort of mini quest was about. Exactly. Because apparently, um, you know, Tildak wanted wanted his old form back. They're all and going, Kavi, All three of them are searching for Winnowill, right? Right. This is how they got together. So this happened. You're saying this happened while everybody was in rap stuff. Exactly. Yeah. This all happened during this the 10,000 year sleep during the 10,000 year sleep. Okay. And, um, and I actually, um, I asked Wendy that on Facebook, 
mm-hmm. and she did confirm because there was some confusion about whether this was this happened after the events of shards and the forever green quest and everything well, when we lost track of um, Tildak or when we lost track of Winkin mm-hmm. and no it actually it happened before that but Winkin never mentioned it to anybody well but here's the thing so he certainly wouldn't have mentioned it to any of the characters that he's talking to right now. He, he probably mentioned it to, to Audrey, maybe not, maybe it it came up, uh, you know, when he was talking to Sava, but again, we've already talked about the fact that he's kind of a loner. He does his own thing, you know, for just try to imagine a a, a being that has lived for 10,000 years. Right. You know, it's like, it's hard for us to do that. A couple decades or even a few centuries is is like the equivalent of me walking into a room and reciting, you know, what I did on August 24th, 1997. Well, try and remember things from when you were a kid. I mean, even that can get kind of vague. And And again, just the logic that 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 just because something happened to a character that they have to go narrate that to every other character that they ever meet in existence for all eternity is – it, it doesn't make sense. It, it actually like some makes, kind of hell, actually. Right, exactly. It, it it makes sense. It makes more sense when you think about it that, yeah, I mean, sometimes characters don't reveal things that happen to them or they don't reveal them to everybody and it's not common knowledge across every single elf or every single character in ElfQuest. Right. Um, so that didn't bother me. I know some okay. people um, were commenting, um, you know, when this issue came out that that was confusing to them and they were like well i don't i don't buy that but i think it's totally okay no it makes sense and this was after the hidden year story going back right and and after cavi and tildak tried to steal the little palace this all happened exactly yeah yeah right exactly yeah Yeah. sometime in that long time period that um you know we don't really have many stories from um because the wolf riders were sleeping and so yeah Yeah. i mean that's when that's when i place it um you know blue mountain is still in rubble um you know, obviously, you know, Tildak and, and Kavi are together, so it's after the, the Little Palace incident. And, is it, is um, it after after they left the Wolf Riders in Kings of the, Bro- the Broken Wheel? Remember when uh, yeah, Kavi so, and Tildak were yeah, with so, the Riders? Yeah, so the chronology is that... Um, they went to live with the Wolf Riders. Yeah, I mean... Then just it was go going all, back, right? That right, story. go all the way back to the beginning, you know. Yeah. Um, Rayek leaves, Kavi has Venka... Um, Siege of Blue Mountain happens. Ray comes back and pisses Kavi off, trashes the Gobax Lodge, right. and almost kills Kavi and Venka, which is what sparks Kavi to go on her revenge mission, which is how she ends up meeting up accidentally with first Aurori and then Tildak, mm-hmm. and then they end up in the Wolf Rider's Halt, right? Right. So the last that we see of them is that they leave maybe a couple decades in, and then you don't hear anything about them in the rest of that storyline. And then in flashback in hidden years, you not really flashback, but you know, the, yeah. the a story hidden years, number two dives into, um, you know, at some point, um, in, you know, before the, the long sleep. So sometime in that first 500 years, they, you know, the events of that, uh, hidden years, number two happens, they attack the sun village. That's when, uh, Winkin actually meets Tildak and they have this negative kind of, um, uh, first meeting and interaction. Um, and then, um, and then they get trapped in rap stuff. And then if you go to the new blood forever green storyline, they end up getting cut out by Yun. And then the, the, you know, the big war happens where everybody gets wounded and everybody goes into rap stuff. And then that's the last that you see or hear of, of Kavi, um, except for the miniseries, except for the miniseries. Right. Which well, also we don't happens. Know if that's canon. Do we? Right. And. Well, I mean, I think it was presented originally as canon, but okay. but I, I I I am basically hold 
with with the way that the final quest has been developed, um, and we talked about this on some of the previous episodes, and Wendy and Richard have talked about it about you know they're reserving the right to make things that in the past non-canon if mm-hmm. they don't feel it fits with the bigger picture of Elfquest that they want to tell, and I respect that. So yeah. for things like the Kavi miniseries where there might be potential discrepancies, I you know I'm kind of withholding judgment on that, but okay. um, but at any rate. Yeah, that, that, that miniseries happened during the long wait, and that could have been before or after the events that we see happen in, in Winkin's flashback here. So anyway, hopefully that helps put it in, in time frame. Yeah, but like I said, the important thing is that it happened then. Yes. Winkin could have wandered for another 100 years before he went back to the Sun Village. Sure. You know, yeah. and, and, and even in the New Blood Forever Green storyline, there is reference to the fact that Winkin is a wanderer. I think Sava calls him my wanderer and, and Dart and Kimo have a conversation about how, you know, Winkin's so aloof and he comes and he goes and, you know, half the time he's not even around. And exactly. so, so again, that, if you think about it that way, it, 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 it doesn't seem so odd that he wouldn't mention this, you know, this adventure that he went on um, with Kavi and Tildak. So the three of them are together. Tildak wants to ret- uh, regain his original form mm-hmm. and Winkin wants real wings. So they want right. the exact opposite of right. what yeah. everyone wants. And Tavi's along for the ride, I guess. And, and what I find most fascinating is that they thought that they were going to convince Winnowill to do this I for don't them. know how the hell they thought they were going to do that. I, it but was I probably it. more Kavi saying, I'll make just, her do it. I was just going to say that because it's totally in character. Kavi is probably like, whatever, I'm going to, you know. And I could see Tildak saying, like, you don't know the Black Snake. Right. And she would say, I'll, I, I can handle her. Right. Let me get I, a hold of her. Right. I could see her saying, you know, dung chips or whatever yeah. and just spitting on the ground and, right. and being done with it, you know. And Winkin, too. Winkin, this is where Winkin has um, – his personality is actually kind of like Rayek. He's a little bit, um, you know uh, – A little more forceful. Yeah, and, and proud isn't the right word, but he's just very Thankful. confident. Yeah, well, yeah, I would say, yeah, confidence, yeah, assertiveness. Yeah. Yeah. And so I could see him – hearing this tale and even if Tildak was hesitant, you know, joining up with Winkin, I could see Winkin and Kavi kind of gelling on that, that sort of that point and that kind of personality and being like, all right, let's go, you know, we're going to tell her who's boss. And, you know, even if we have to negotiate or give her something, we'll be able to do it. And so we'll make it. work um, out. Sometimes. Yeah. And then, whereas all of the rest of the elves live in terror of Winnowill and, exactly. and these two, Kavi and Winkin are like, yeah, whatever. So blase about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Then we skip to, uh, we're back with the Wolf Riders while Winkin is telling his story. And uh, Skywise mentions that she was under the sea. She shaped herself into a water breather. Winkin makes mention of knowing the sea elves. So that must relate to at least one of the stories in the anthology because there are a couple. There was one, I believe Richard wrote it, where Winkin came upon a sea elf who was being held captive by a troll mm-hmm. you remember that it was just a one yeah. shot and then there was the other storyline in the wave dancers in the anthology where he ran into two wave dancers who were living with a human tribe right right or yeah kind of I think, was and yeah so i think i think yeah. the one where he met the sun villager or the the wave dancer um, that was a prisoner. I think that one might have been written by Barry Blair with Richard's oh, edits, but oh, okay. I'm not 100 percent sure. I'd have to go back, but um, mm. um, but yeah, I mean, and so so yeah, I mean, here's another example 
of a reference being made to a, you know, I would say a second tier storyline sure. that may or may not be 100% canon. Exactly. But I think it's Wendy and Richard kind of making a nod at some of these past stories. And, you know, this is the kind of thing that a, you know, sort of a new reader or a reader that isn't as crazily obsessed like as you and I that might not have read those things. Mm -hmm. It's just going to totally go over their heads. But when they go into the back catalog and they read some of these other more obscure stories, you know, this is the kind of thing that that I love about ElfQuest is that there's so many layers and there's so much complexity there that literally every time I read it and I, of course, reread this stuff all the time. I always am getting new stuff out of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great example of, of one, one spot where I could see, um, you know, again, a newer reader having opportunity to have one of those aha moments down the line. So I wonder, though, that just given that he made mention of that, if one of those storylines is going to be brought back into the final quest and sort of acknowledged as being, yes, this did happen. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, and that, that could be, this could be, uh, on the flip side, it could be just another bit of foreshadowing of what's going to come to pass in the final quest. Exactly. Maybe, maybe we will see some of those other wave dancer characters that popped up in, um, in the, in sort of the, the forever green sort of branch of the, the stories. Right. Now, one other thing about this is that, um, I was surprised when I was reading this, uh, that Tildak didn't know that Winnowill was under the ocean and neither did Cavi because remember they were crossing the ocean together when Winnowill <laughs> tried to lure them under the waves. Right. Uh, so why wouldn't they have known that or been thinking, oh, maybe she's still under the ocean? Like, well, well, okay, so this is a question that I haven't thought about. But as you're saying it, I mean, I'm looking at the panel on page 36, and it shows them kind of in a... Ocean. a uh, yeah, and so maybe they did try to explore, Maybe they did, yeah. You know, and maybe, for all we know, they were going up and down the coastline and hopping from island to island where they met all these people, um, you know, who eventually... Oh, that's, that's really that makes sense. That's really yeah, hard right. because then when we go on to page uh, thirty-eight, the first top panel looks like a tribe of um, uh, tropical dwelling humans. There's like yeah. a volcano, and they've got really bright, colorful flowers, and they're oh my dressed. god, I never noticed the volcano until you just said that. Mm-hmm. So that looks like a tropical, right? The island setting. So exactly, that would make yeah. sense. Maybe they were. Maybe they were island hopping. Yeah, or or maybe they did that for you know a month, a year, a decade, and then decided there's no evidence of Winnowill anywhere around here. Let's go inland. Who knows? Exactly. You know? Yeah, um, because the time period isn't really specified. No. So I like to think that they did spend a good amount of time together. Um, Definitely. Yeah. It, so it's nice that uh, that Winkin and Tildak seem to forge some sort of um, bond with each other. I, totally. I, I don't think it was uh, anywhere near father-son type bond, but they obviously yeah. must have become friends yeah. to some degree. And and that right there, like I want, I want like some fan fiction. I want some fan art. In mm-hmm. fact, I might, I might do some fan art because cool. you know I don't think that that's ever going to get an in-depth exploration no. in, the, in the main tale of ElfQuest, but. Again, there's all of these threads that are just lying there waiting to be picked up by, you know, creative fans to do something with. So um, and I should say, you know, another plug for ElfQuest.com for the forums. There are really, really great, high quality fan art and fan fiction threads 
um, on the ElfQuest.com forum. So if anybody is interested in in writing, drawing, um, or just reading or looking at and experiencing some of the, the what the fans have created, you definitely want to go there and check that out. Yes. All right. So let's talk about the heart-wrenching scene mm-hmm. of Tildak's actual passing. So just as I was uh, attracted to the image of Tildak and found him fascinating, it seems like other humans did as well. But unfortunately, they had uh, nefarious plans when it came to uh, getting a hold of him. Yeah. Um, I have chills, by the way, that, at what you just said. Think about that. Like, art imitating life, imitating art, you know? Yeah. You know, you wh- everything that you were just saying about um, about your your attraction to this character and that you thought he was so fascinating to look at is is exactly what they put into the story. Exactly, I didn't you think know? of that until now. It's that amazing, yeah, amazing, it. right? Amazing. <laughs> yeah, well, because he's so unique looking, right? And as humans, we're attracted to things that are unique and rare, mm-hmm. uh, just like the humans wanted to kill Tamane when she was a white wolf. Right. Right. Because it's so rare and unique. Um, and unfortunately, there's humans who, when they see things like that, all they want to do is kill it. Yeah. Um, and so that's the fate of poor Tildak. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's more than that, though. You know, he gets shot with the arrow and Kavi and Winkin are able to whisk him away before the humans get him. And he says, don't let them take me. Mm-hmm. Be quick. You know, and again, there's no healer present. Um, so which... I like I like that there are these pieces and threads of stories where there's not always the you know the magic solution. Yes. And there's no there's, there's real nothing that's can... involved. Yeah, there's nothing that can be done for Tildak. And so Kavi, you know, they have this beautiful scene where Kavi is probably the most open that we've ever seen her. Yeah. Um and and poor Tildak you know, he says I wish I could have been beautiful and she says you'll always be my beautiful beautiful bird. It's just it's so sweet and tender and whatever. And then, and then she basically slits his throat yes. to help him sort of quickly go and just sort of go peacefully and kind of just pass out. Without suffering. And he, mm-hmm. Yeah, and he dies in her arms. Yes. Yeah, it's a really beautiful scene. And like you say, we really get to see Kavi at probably her most um, open and um, fragile, I would say, where she's yeah. uh, and most emotional. I mean, we did see her, I think, after when Vaya died and we find out that Vaya was her daughter. Mm-hmm. There was a little bit of that, but um, right. it was definitely uh, a real um, showcase of, of her emotional yep. state and ha- and the depths of her emotion because she's still, despite her chilly exterior, she has uh, maybe hidden depths of, of uh, warmth and love. Yep. Yeah. So, so poor Dildak. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll say a sigh and a and a goodbye to to poor yeah. Tildak. Uh, I, the other things, two other things that I liked about this this sort of scene. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, I think the art here is the most tight and the most like the original quest art. Yes, of I agree. Of, of of most of, of of even the whole rest of the issue, I agree. Uh, which was really awesome. I, I liked that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and. The, the costumes, uh, I'll go on about this in every episode, but I love Wendy's costuming and the way that she dresses her characters. I mean, just look at the Win- – Winkin gets like four different outfits in, in, in just like two or three different pages, yeah. which is another indicator to me that they were together for many years. Um, mm-hmm. And so – Wendy said it somewhere on one of the forums that had she not been a comic book artist, she would have ended up in Hollywood as some co- sort of costume designer. 
Totally. Yeah, yeah. I can totally see that. Yeah. Um, you know what I loved about this, this flashback, is the story within a story. And it's a technique that's been used uh, by Wendy and Richard before in Elfquest, mm -hmm. and I love it. I think it's such a clever way to um, open up the story to different threads and get different characters' uh, experiences and storylines um, told to us in a really yep. creative, clever way. And I, yep. I actually prefer it to, say, a miniseries that's um, apart from the main series. I prefer this type of thing. Um, where it's a flashback that's told and it takes a couple of pages or maybe even an issue uh -huh. if it if it necessitates it. But um, you get uh, the story within a story. And it's really neat because we're being told a story by Wendy and Richard and then the characters within the story are telling us a story. I just think that's really... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's I, another thing that I never really thought about. But... Um, yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I, I, I don't know if I would 100% agree with getting, preferring to get these sort of side stories as flashbacks mm -hmm. versus, you know, a miniseries or an entire episode or issue or whatever, because I'm just greedy that way. Right. And I want to get like the full blown gory details of the story versus, you know, sort of the, the, the broad brushstrokes that you get when you, um, yep. when you get a flashback. Yeah, but, I understand. It's yeah. just a preference. I like the streamlinedness of it, uh -huh. where it's just all in one volume. Um, even the fact that we're getting Embers, uh, the the story of Embers Tribe within this story, and it's a, it's a mm -hmm. side story that's told to us. I prefer that to say what the anthology series was, or when there were multiple titles coming out in the uh -huh. '90s. Yeah, it was just um, it feels convoluted to me. I like it. It just feels tighter and cleaner and more streamlined when it's all within one story. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, I get what you're saying. But it's yeah. just and, a you personal know, preference. Yeah. Well, and 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 th that's what this issue is all about. I mean, this issue, this Final Quest special, this big 64 whatever page issue it is, um, is really doing just exactly what you just said. It's taking all of these various storylines and trying to weave them back into something cohesive mm -hmm. um, and, you know, recognizing all of these other events without necessarily going down the wormholes of those other events. Um, but, but nodding to them and saying, yeah, you know, this is something that happened. And, um, and, and some storylines like Ember's storyline with the, you know, the recognition storyline that was started uh, is obviously being worked in here. Um, and then we get, you know, this sort of flashback with Kavi. I mean, it, there's no doubt in my mind that, that Kavi and, and her story is going to be a big part of the final quest oh, too. Yeah, definitely. You know, so yeah, because at the end of the story that Winkin tells, he says, Cavi and I, Cavi and I parted ways. I never saw her again. Right. Um, so we're still left wondering what became of her. Right. And, exactly. uh, we, we get, um, hints in the next mm -hmm. few issues, what might've yep. happened, but, um, yep. and Wendy's also said some stuff previously on the forums. I don't know if we should talk about that or not, but, yeah, well, we I think we talked about it when we um, when we did issue number two, um, which was the first mm -hmm. episode of the Elfquest Show podcast. Mm -hmm. So, and we'll, we'll we'll definitely be talking more um, about Kavi and and her, um, you know, what happens or happened to her um, later. So, um, yeah. so let's do a time check. We are going on almost two hours. <laughs> yeah. and there's still so much more to talk about. Yeah. So, um, so let's skip over the next few pages. I mean, they Winkin ends up in the in the forges, um, and then 
which which prompts the scene, this sort of time time lapse passing scene, scene where um, sort of underneath Audrey and Clearbrook singing their song, which is a little bit of uh, you know I guess Wendy's Wendy and Richard's poetry um, or, or, or lyrics um, that yeah. they sometimes work into ElfQuest, which is kind of neat. Mm-hmm. But you know we see a whole bunch of stuff happen. We see time pass. We see Ember goes finally to to meet Korafe. We see Shukapek growing up and getting his his name. Um, we see finally um, Chitter. We we get to see Chitter, Pool, and Sus together, and we learn. That Chitter's adult name is Free Touch, yes, um, which is kind of neat, and I think a reflection of her sort of free, free, free spirited kind of ways, you know, uh, lighthearted um, kind of ways, and so mm-hmm. that's kind of neat. We see in the background Dushine and and um, Winkin and Winkin reuniting. Kind of I would have loved yeah. to have seen a scene with them, though. I have to say, yeah. just a panel, even right. just well, talking uh, to each other, but. Well, you're um, you're an artist too, and maybe <laughs> yeah. that's a perfect opportunity to get a little bit of fan art. Going on between um, Dushine and, and Winkin, I would love to see that. All right, yeah. <laughs> All right, um, we learn that um, that Mender mm-hmm. has altered Corbasi, yes, so that he doesn't age at the same rate as, as normal humans. And it sounds like he's still mortal, but he's going to live many human lifetimes, which, life. which which also kind of addresses some of the timeline discrepancy issues because um, you know. F- as this pat this time period passes to get us up to the point in time that the recognition storyline picks up, mm-hmm. um, Corbasi would be an old man. Of course. But this explains why um, he's still a, a relatively young guy. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but one of the let me see. Let me flip to the next page. Um, yeah. So before the, the the other the other thing, and I've saved this for last because it's 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 the total sort of punch in the stomach of this this sort of time passage scene and maybe even one of the more powerful scenes in the entire issue is this flashback um or this this um scene with chitter and moonshade and the you know it's basically chitter crying and moonshade coming across her and she basically says you know i found this baby bird that was hurt and dying and I buried it. I wanted to help it. And it was still trying to live and it was moving under the dirt and I sat on it. And then she just has like a complete, you know, sob fest, which, which makes sense. She's probably, you know, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years old there. Yeah. Uh, Maybe even younger. Um, and, and so, so two things that I want to mention with this one is, you know, we know something's up with moonshade. We know that she's, there's something going on where she is just not, um, She's not happy. There's something that's troubling her. Um, And I think that this scene is going to be, you know, kind of a real big foreshadow to to what that is. Mm -hmm. Um, It obviously has to do with um, life life and and death. death. Yeah. And so but the the, the other thing that totally blew me away with this is that Wendy shared that this scene actually happened to her. Mm -hmm. This is one of her memories as a child. Wow. Where she found a you know a dying bird and this is exactly what happened and and that emotional trauma from that event made its way into the story mm-hmm. again genius I love it yeah well that's life informing art right yeah yeah, yeah. the yeah. artist brings their experiences into whatever right. they're producing so yeah there it is yeah I remember reading that on Facebook when she said that and I was blown away because it was just so um, such a revelation like right. wow yeah it's amazing yeah. that's actually a real event that happened to the artist and she's incorporated right. it so creatively and cleverly into her story. 
Very cool. And I also think it's amazing that um, that that Wendy and Richard are willing to share that information. They don't have to share that, you know, that their, really their real life experiences. Things. Yeah. And, um, you know, they, they could have put it in the story without ever revealing that it was actually based on real life events. But I think it just becomes even more rich and is a testament to the care and love that they put into the story that when they do let us in on some of the those you know, kind of personal life details. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All right. So um, and then we get I, uh, I, we get Ember thinking about the Jun. Right. Get another little panel. Bit. Yeah, a little bit of foreshadowing of, um, you know, what a baddie yeah. Angry John is, um, which which plays out in subsequent issues. Um, so and it's we, by I, the end of this montage, this song, that we catch up to the current time period. Exactly, at which yeah. the final quest starts to take place with issue exactly. one. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So we're yeah. caught up now. So we're sort of 20 years from the beginning from the first you know the very beginning of the issue mm-hmm. which you know fought the final quest special in my best uh you know sort of math estimates is taking place you know maybe 10 or so years after the end of the shards war right um and that's rough math that is you know has you know plus or minus a, a few years here and there mm-hmm. but if you think of it if you think of it in, in, in roughly that terms, the the timeline discrepancy issue kind of goes away yeah. as long as you're not too much of a you know a crazy stickler. Yeah. Um, so so you know in my mind the final quest proper as of this point is taking place thirty somewhere between thirty and forty years after the events of the shards. That story. seems about right. Yeah. Um, so then just, we get to oh sorry go ahead. Yeah. Well, no, I was going to say what you were going to say is um, p- p- poor B. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I don't know that Rush. we need to, um, you know, well, we talked go about in this uh, in the last episode. Yeah. Talked I about mean, what he, happened to him and right. chemo shape changing because it yep. basically was chemo being irresponsible as I see right. it. <laughs> right. I mean, why would Damn he shape chemo. change? Yeah. Come on, right. man. He's shape changing in front of these uh, potentially dangerous humans or basically barbarians. And, uh, like, without a care well, in the world. In his defense, he only did it so that he could speak, because he can't speak when he's a wolf. And he wanted to speak and warn them that they were, that he sensed danger. No and of excuses. course, no excuses, <laughs> no. Self-fulfilling prophecies, right? Exactly, yeah. Um, yes. So, very- yeah, so poor B gets crushed by a rock. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know that that's the the you know the second in the body count in this episode um yes or this issue so um episode. and i know I, I i'm gonna make that mistake i keep doing it it's like the full time <laughs> issues episodes they all blend together but um um so so you know so they end up back in the halt and um we, we get this interesting well, explanation from sava yeah i just wanted to mention that we did discuss uh shuna getting her life extended too so we first see it with right. bossy and then yep. she asks for the same thing from lita so that's right yeah and we did have an in-depth conversation yeah. about that with- and about Shukapek. so right. um refer back to um episode two or three of the of the podcast and you'll get that whole discussion in our, in our four-hour chat about this exactly. <laughs> um so so yeah so so Lita extends Shuna's life in the same way that Mender extended Corbasi's, which um, is interesting. Then we we have this uh, another sort of really neat, really neat, and I don't know if anything is going to come of this. 
I would guess that it would, but I, I don't know. But we get this, you know, a background character, um, New Star, who we don't really ever see too much. And, you know, we get introduced. Well, number one, we finally get to see um, Lute, mm-hmm. which I think is how you pronounce it. Um, yeah. Her her dead, recognized life mate, Kimo's father, who was one of the Jack Wolf Riders that was killed in the Go Back War um, in the Sun Village. Um, so we get to finally see him and his spirit kind of interacting with um, – but well, actually, both with Newstar and his brother, Oler, mm-hmm. and um, and him basically kind of nudging the two of them together, and so um, they basically you know become love mates, I guess. Yeah. And and Oler is neat to me because he is, kind of represents something that has not bothered me necessarily, but a question that I've had. Um, and I think you and I have talked about this um, even before we were doing this podcast. But you know, this whole idea that, that this agrarian fingers in the dirt sun villager society would so dramatically just adapt and to, to life inside this crystal palace. Right. And older, I think is a representation of the fact that no, I mean, a lot of the sun villagers do miss being outside and planting and being one with the cycles of, of, you know, the planet and the weather and all that kind of stuff. And, and, um, and so Oler maybe takes a, a step further by spending more time outside. And we see this great little panel where he's learning from Red Lance. Yeah. What's uh, going on there? Is that plant shaping? Is Red Lance teaching him to plant, uh, shape plants or is, you know, that's, an, that's an interesting question. I, I didn't, I mean, I think Red Lance is kind of, demonstrating his plant shaping magic whether or not that's something that he's teaching oler that that that's a really interesting question because we know that you know elves can sort of hone their innate magic to you know to specific skills the way that chemo did um with his shape changing or the way that skywise is learning to you know tap into the magic of the palace and fly it so mm-hmm. i don't know maybe maybe oler will end up being um have some kind of manifestation of plant shaping maybe but that plant shaping never seemed to be a power that really manifested amongst the sun folk because remember when red lance first showed up and um mm-hmm. Uh, what's her name there? Minya. Was say, Minya was saying, uh, uh, like, you you can't make it grow just by staring at it. It was like they hadn't really experienced plant shaping magic before. But right. You know, well, just like the Wolf Riders hadn't, at, at least the um, you know sort of Cutters generation mm-hmm. um, hadn't ever really experienced rock shaping. Exactly. And yeah. they didn't really know what it was until they met the gliders. Yeah. Even even with people like Sava telling stories of rock shapers, it just didn't really kick into their brain. You would think, though, uh, that plant shaping would be kind of a, a, a good power to have in the middle of a desert. Well, that's true. That is true. But, you know. Yeah. I, Did you notice um, in the top right panel, is that, I think that's Maline? Is that her name? Yes, it is. Is that who it is? Yeah. It totally is. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of so cool. she's bopping around she's, in the palace. Yeah, she's hanging out. Um, right. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Did we discuss Sava? in one of the episodes where she's talking about riding at the outer rim of the wheel of all that is. And I think we did. Mm-hmm. Um, although I don't really remember what we said, but <laughs> <laughs> neither do I, we, we won't have this issue, this problem um, because for future episodes, we really should be able to contain it to one episode. Yeah. Uh, it's just that this is such a big issue There's so and much, so going much on. happens in it yeah. um, that we're, we're, we're just taking the time to go through it uh, a little bit more in depth and in detail. And it's taking a long time, but, mm-hmm. um, but um, I think we did. And just, you know, Sava introducing this notion that, um, you know, the, the el- elves and humans just sort of ride the, 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 you know, their existence at different sort of places. And maybe there's never going to be any kind of 
real reconciliation, which is an interesting and kind of sad uh, concept. Yeah, or commentary from Sava even right? yeah. that she's acknowledging that. Um, but right. she, but then of course, on the flip side of that, she does acknowledge that some of the five fingered ones do. Um, uh, there's a certain few, she says, right? That, uh, exactly. That recognize that they're all one people or something right. along those lines. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Probably just not explaining that as well as I could, but it's no, something no. like that, right? She's it's a very spiritual concept, but she's making it um, very uh, approachable for Shina right. and and Shukapek. And and we the readers who are also yeah, human. Exactly. Exactly. Um, all right, so yes. so moving oh, on, we're almost yes. we're, we're almost, almost to the big finale. Take a deep breath. Of, we've yeah, almost, we've um, almost made it. Right. The big finale of this issue is a real zinger. Um, uh, <laughs> so so now shocking, uh, shocking. Yes, yeah. There you go. Um, so now you get the the, the pun prize. Um, Thank you. So of course, what we're talking about is the this last scene where it starts out um, kind of a. You know, kind of a joyous scene between longtime lovemates, Skywise and Raphael, um, going for a role in the wildflowers, um, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it just seems like a happy scene. And, you know, we get this little, um, again, maybe some foreshadowing and some explanation from some toucher that the sun villagers themselves seem to be changing physically. They're growing and losing their, um, you know, maybe losing some of their um, dark skin adaptation to because they're not living in the desert anymore. Um, right. And um, so they head out um, to roll in the wildflowers and have a good old time. Um, and, you know, they bump into Free Touch and Moonshade and Moonshade's kind of, you know, a little bit grumpy and Free Touch is kind of happy-go-lucky and mm-hmm. um, they're kind of sitting in the trees watching this whole scene unfold. Mm-hmm. And, and a bit of uh, uh, the voyeur chitter. Yeah, well, yeah. well, you know, I mean, what, what does Moonshade say? They're, they're, they're going to be on watch, you know, because even though the Wolf Riders are, you know, living in the shadow of the palace, there's still danger and death outside. And Definitely. so... Yeah, so I thought that was kind of a cool thing that, you know, Moonshade's like, go do, go do your business, we'll keep watch, we'll make sure that a bear doesn't come up or, you know, a random human come in and try to get you or whatever. Right. Uh, but yeah, then there's, uh, before we get to the, you know, to the big finale, mm-hmm. is this interaction between Free Touch and, um, and Moonshade, which right, is, where we again, get another inkling of um, the issues that Moonshade is having. There's something um, she's unsettled about, she's upset about something, so. Yeah. Well, she's, you know, I think, you know, we're, we're learning here that, you know, what, what, I guess her simple way of life is no longer satisfying to her. Right. Or it's not as fulfilling, you know, you fulfilling her role as the tribal tanner and just sort of living that simple wolf rider's life does not seem to give her the, the you know, again, the fulfillment, mm-hmm. the satisfaction. Yeah. The other thing that I love about this scene is that, um, we, 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 we get, you know, ch- chitter slash free touch, you know, sort of in a nutshell with her commentary about, you know, stitching up the, 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 you know, the clothing that Moonshade has her working on. She's like, uh, oh, it's good enough. Exactly. And that's, that seems to be her MO. Um, and then and, we get her know? talking about all the, the guys in Ember's tribe. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like she's listing them off. Like there's some sort of boy band. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and and I guess I guess Chitter is an elf who prefers what the lads have, um, mm-hmm. which if uh, you know in, if my theory is correct, um, so does her brother. <laughs> oh, hmm. which we yeah. which we talked about in in the last uh, yeah we did one of the last ones. So we'll, we have um, yet to see though. 
right? Whether or not yeah. that comes to fruition in some way. Well, but, I, I mean, I only say it from the point of view that, I mean, in the past, that seems to be Dart's preference. I mean, whether or not that will happen in the future, I don't know. Yeah. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so Chitter likes the boys, nothing wrong with that. Um, and Skywise obviously likes the girls as, um, as you can see on that same page, you know, as he is slowly, well, as he and Rafael are slowly undressing each other, um, as it, there's sort of a, you know, a pitter patter of rain starting to fall. And then as we get into these last few pages, um, you know, you have this sort of building joy and ecstasy between Rafael and Skywise and you know she's talking about how you know the thunder it's it's you know it's it's like a drum beat and she's dancing with the wildflowers and twirling and spinning and then boom she gets zapped by a huge bolt of lightning and skywise nearly gets zapped too and all we see is her crispy blistered blackened hand as an indication of what you know what the result of her getting struck by this giant bolt of lightning is yes um and then we get that one page, right? It's 56, where there's no dialogue. Yeah. Wendy's a master and, of, of that, the page with no dialogue. It's just images that tell the story. Yep. It's so powerful. I mean, the story is completely told on that page by the expression on Skywise's face. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you it's forgot, just... Skywise. That's what it, that, when I saw this, that's what I thought. You forgot. You forgot what it means to be alive, that there's danger inherent in the world. Um, I think Skywise has become sort of complacent, and especially since he's given up his wolf blood and been living in the palace, he's kind of had a really, um, even more than he usually has, a happy-go-lucky attitude and sort of thinking that he's immune uh, to any sort of danger, and this was definitely a wake-up call for him. Yeah. Well, that's what he says on, the, on that next page when he finally says something. You know, he's like one moment happy and dancing, and the next, how, how can it be? Yeah, see, he's yeah, forgotten he's just, what it's like to be a wolf rider. Yeah, he can't wrap his mind around that, you know, life can be a bolt of bright fire in the night, mm -hmm. you know, which is the traditional wolf rider way of looking at life. And, um, yeah, I didn't, I, you know, that I didn't really spend much time thinking about that. Um, so I'm really glad that you brought that up because, yeah, it, it is true. And and it is a uh, maybe a wake-up call and a reminder for Skywise. And obviously this event, which would be the third body count you know the body count is up to three now yeah this um, issue is deadly yeah between Tildak, shuka or i'm sorry um, Ikepec. Ikepec, yeah, e, and now um Rafael. and now poor poor rafael mm -hmm. um and so uh yeah it's totally it was definitely a punch in the stomach when, you know as i was reading this the first time i totally was not expecting anything like that to happen no. um which by the way mm -hmm. is also another real life event that happened to wendy and richard yes i heard about that. um yeah, they. Um, I guess I think it was Wendy. It might have been Richard that shared it um, on online. That uh, yeah, they were standing there, and a few feet away from them, a huge lightning bolt came and nearly got them. And it really made them realize that you know, yeah, life can be fleeting. And um, so they worked that into the story too. Exactly. So, yeah. So um, there we go again, right? Uh, life informs art. Um, yeah, right. but very important lesson for Skyways, and I think an important lesson for all of us. Um, you know, just to remember that uh, life is fleeting and you have to make the best of it and take advantage of it. And because uh, at any minute that bolt of bright fire can come. Right. 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 So don't well, get complacent. And, right. And well, and the flip side of, the, of that point mm -hmm. is is that Rafael went out, you know, in, in her glory. She was doing what, you know, what made her happiest. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah. that is kind of 
as, as shocking as the scene was, mm-hmm. you have to remember that is that, right. you know, there's what, what better way to go? Right? right. It's almost as though there's two lessons there, right? Like you, you better go out the way doing something that you love or living your life to the fullest. But at the same time, don't forget what sort of danger is inherent in the world and, and right. uh, be, be cognizant of that. Right. Don't, and don't take it for granted. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this, this, you know, the scene then, you know, we get another hint at, at you know, sort of moonshades malaise, if you will. Um, you know, and Strongbow is just being Strongbow and, and answers Skywise when he's like, how can it be? And he's like, there's nothing to understand. It's just part of the way, life, death, whatever. And Moonshade probably for the first time ever in front of the entire tribe kind of disagrees with Strongbow. Yeah. Um, so a, a, another kind of double whammy. We have the shocking, shocking scene with Rafael's death. And then on its heels, you have Moonshade doing something that seems completely out of character. Well, because she's always deferred to Strongbow. Right. Um, she's always been the very, like, kind of, I don't want to say stereotypical, but the idea of, like, the stereotypical supportive wife, kind of, right? right? Where yeah. whatever the, the husband says, she's supportive of it, um, regardless of whether or not she thinks it's right or wrong. Um, I mean, she has questioned him in the past, but she's always stood by him. Whereas here, it's the first time where we've really seen her, right. um, like, not necessarily challenge him, but walk away from him. Right. Yeah. She walked away. And, yeah. and, and the only other time that we've really seen it in the story um, where she doesn't agree with him was in private. Yes, it was after, right. the, after Strongbow chose to leave the tribe in um, the original quest in, the, in Blue Mountain. Yes. Um, she, doesn't, she doesn't contradict him, even though she, she doesn't think he's right. She follows him. And it's not until they're out um, in the woods. Yeah. But um, interestingly, in another rainstorm, just like this, this scene. Oh, I never thought of that yes but remember how conflicted she was too in that scene um like she seemed very upset and conflicted oh, yeah. to, to have to question him but right. first here she seems relatively confident that she's like not okay with the way things are and she's right. not really conflicted when she questions him or or, or uh right. you know telling speaking her mind Right. Well, I don't know if that if that scene, I would say that she was conflicted about speaking her mind in the scene in the original quest, because, I mean, think about what she says. I mean, she she flat out tells Strongbow that he was envious of Cutter because, uh, you know, because uh, he, he sort of worshipped Bearclaw. Well, maybe she, not as conflicted then, but she seemed visibly upset more so than she did here. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah, that's true. Like um, it seemed like it took more out of her to do it. Whereas right. here she seems pretty at she almost seems, telling, telling yeah she almost seems resigned right, and and right. and if you think about it this this evolution in her way of thinking didn't happen overnight I mean we see the first first um, indication of it all the way back at uh, at Shukapek's birth at the very in the very first pages which was twenty years ago right so this is not something that happened overnight exactly it's sort of a slow evolution. Um, and, mm-hmm. and realization, you know, I mean, she's been living next to the palace and she's been seeing, it seems like there are other options out there. Um, you she, know, and uh, maybe... she definitely needs a prescription for Prozac or something. No? <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if, um, if healers offer those kinds of services. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I don't well, think they that can't there's write, always, so there'd be no written prescription. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an example of, um, you know, sometimes um, in 
in real life and in stories that there's not a um, sort of a magic or a medical solution to your problems. Um, exactly. Sometimes you just got to work through them. But um, but um, I, like I that last panel though of um, uh, Cutter and Strongbow just looking at each other like what just happened? Yeah. When she's she's walked away because yeah. both of them are clearly in shock. Like that Moonshade just said what she did and that she right. walked away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. when I look at Cutter, his expression is almost neutral. Like he's like waiting to see what Strongbow is going to do. And Strongbow just looks confused. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Not in shock. Um, but just the fact that they would look at each other, I think indicates that, you know, they're both thinking like, what? Like what the hell is up? Yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah. So I, I thought that the, the, um, you know, the, the fate of Raphael's body, um, being, basically planted in the meadow um, so that she could feed the wildflowers was really, really sweet um, and kind of fitting. And, and, um, and it was uh, Shuna, I think who suggested it, right? Yeah. Um, Cause it's a human tradition to do that or a cultural. Right. Well, practice. it was actually Red Lance that suggested it because, you know, they're saying like, Oh, what do we, what do we do? And Cutter's like, well, we just let the wolves eat our bodies. But yeah. another interesting um even though they both of their cultures have evolved and adapted and changed from those isolated, you know, cultures that we saw at the very beginning of, of ElfQuest, both the Wolf Riders and the Sun Villagers still have a lot of differences of different customs and different ways of dealing with things. And so I think this is a great example. You know, it's like, what do we do with her body? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for the Sun Villagers, not many of them died. So I'm not sure what they did with them. I could I was see them. the same thing. Mm-hmm. I could see them putting them, you know, under sort of like a uh, what do you, what do they, what do they call where you like stack rocks up on it? Yeah, or, yeah, something like that. Um, and so, like opening uh, up the rocks and putting the body in, or something. Right, yeah. or just stacking rocks on them. Um, yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, Red Lance comes up with the solution, and and and, uh, um, and and yeah, you're right. Shuna does say, yeah, that's what humans do. We bury our dead. And Tree Stump, good old Tree Stump, is like, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, so that was kind of a sweet way to end Raphael's story and her tale. And um, you know, and then we get to see the you know sort of the group scene in the palace with everybody kind of singing their song of um, farewell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you get to see some really cool um, costumes and more more cool clothing. If you got, if you scan this page and zoomed in on it, um, yeah, I'm on my iPad, so I can zoom. Yeah, yeah. yeah I actually, this cool is things. how much of a nerd I I am. I actually counted all of them. Oh my god, how many, many are there? I, you know what? I can't remember because I did it when I first read the issue. <laughs> I can't remember. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'll have to do it again though, and I'll let you know. Yeah, let but us that's, know. That's that's oh. how like nerdy uh, <laughs> I get. <laughs> you remember names like Thero? I count the amount of characters in Crafty. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, look, you realize who you're talking to. So <laughs> I totally appreciate it and get it. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much the end of the issue. It ends with this this howl, the Wolf Riders howl for Raphael, and we get one of these um, sort of uh, panel by panel jumping from scene and place around the world of two moons, sort of a, a foreshadowing of some of the characters that might show up like oh, Picknose, yeah. which I cannot wait for. I know. I um, and, and, and a couple of your favorite <laughs> characters, Venka and Aurori. Exactly. Yeah. I was waiting for you to say it. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, um, you know, we see, we see, um, the, the silhouetted characters, um, and some, you know, some random wolves howling as they're out up, which, 
looks like they're up in the frozen north. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm dying to get to see, you know, what Venka and Arori and and we Edge. can't forget Two Edge, who's with them too. And so, the um, yeah, and the go backs and and so, um, yeah, I think it's all it's it it. We're going to see it. We just got to be patient. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm excited to see that, too. I've always wondered what's become of Venka and uh, and that little group. Um, yeah. My guess is that she's become the chief of the Gobacks, but we shall see. Yeah, we shall see. Um, and the trolls. So they're in the new land, right? They're in Jun's land. Is that right? Um, yes. Picknose and his crew, when we last saw them, were underneath Thorny Mountain Halt. Well, I hope um, that they find some way to get back to the old Halt, because I would like the trolls to be... Back in the uh, the original right. Holt area again. That would be kind yeah. of cool. Yeah, because I, we already I, have uh, the other troll group, right, led by um, Drub. Yeah, the Queen Drub. Mm-hmm. But they're they're just sort of a splinter group from Picknose's group because they're yeah. still in in Junsland. They're just um, closer out, maybe under the plains where Ember's tribe was. That's right. So. Um, but we haven't which, we haven't seen the trolls yet in the series, and I'm no. itching to see them because I yeah. want to know what what's going on with them. You know who I want to see is Trinket, all grown up. Because <laughs> we saw her in the um, the Wild Hunt stories. Yeah, but yeah. she wasn't drawn by Wendy, and until I see right. a character drawn by Wendy, it it never it's not real. <laughs> real. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I will say this: Wendy is the only one that can get Drub right. Um, Drub has jowls. She looks like a bulldog. Yeah. Actually, no, I take it back. Brandon McKinney gets gets drub yeah, right. Yeah, he did a good um, job. Yeah, based on Wendy's original kind of, um, do you see her show up at the very end of um, of uh, uh, Kings of the Broken Wheel? Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I remember and, in Shard sixteen too. She's she's around. Um, oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wendy drew her then. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. her and Flam beside right. each other talking to Ember and Mender. Right, mm-hmm. right. Um, so. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll just have to wait and see when the trolls show up. But, um, but so the last panel here, yes. I, think, I, I think it's worth actually reading this interaction um, as the end of the, the the discussion about the issue. Okay, do you, um, you be Skywise? I'll be Cutter. All right. So, <laughs> stormy scene. If you're not looking at it, you see wolves howling, lightning. It's almost black and white. And Skyway says, "A risky life outside." or endless quiet and safety behind doors. There must be something else, a perfect mix of immortality and excitement. And Cutter says, that's what your dreams of the stars is for. But one thing's sure now, the way isn't the only way. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> be continued. Yeah, so um, so I think that panel right here is probably the most succinct summary of what the overarching message and theme or you know story arc of what the final quest is going to be about is it's about trying to find that perfect mix of immortality and excitement with a recognition that it might not be the wolf rider's way mm-hmm. you know and that's a really interesting and kind of scary thing to think about because i think most of us relate to the wolf riders and we you know we sort of we love their way you know sort of this wild feral tribe that well they're the most human nature yeah and so if you know what what what's going to happen if their way is not going to be viable exactly what become of them as a tribe and i love it that we're left with uh, those two on the last panel of this issue right yeah Um, it's skywise and cutter who are for all intents and purposes elf quest totally yeah 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 all right so okay oh my gosh i think we made it (laughs) 
We made it through. It, it took us three episodes. This this third one is going to be over two hours, but uh, you know. I might split it. Okay. Yeah. So so all right. So let's say there's going to be four episodes all on the Final Quest special. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Bring a um, lunch. Yeah, bring a lunch. Bring a drink. Yeah. Um, well, we alcoholic, and you'll make it through. Yeah. So to to close out, um, I think it would be, um, well, this was your idea, Ryan. So why don't you? Okay, well, share, share your thought. I, I think the theme of this issue was life and death um, because we got uh, a couple of births and we had a few characters dying as well. And so the overarching uh, a theme, as I see it, was uh, the, the transition between birth and, and life and death. Um, so because we've lost some characters, I was thinking that we should do a howl for them. Um, now, we've already uh, talked about a few characters uh, who, who've uh, died in um, the other episodes uh, in issue number two. Um, so we had Larrigan, I think, and Krim as well, mm-hmm. passed away. Um, and then in this issue, we had Tildak, Rafael, and Ikepek. So let's have a howl for them. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Dry your tears, everyone. Um, we uh, we don't want to add on a, end on a sad note, but um, you know, I think the as Ryan said, the uh, the message here, as in much of ElfQuest, it's sort of you know life and death and and the struggle and that um, you know they're it, it's all part of of life and being um, sort of a mortal being, right? So um, when people pass or characters pass, we got to let them go and move on with our life. So. Yep. You With know what, said, I'll, I'll say this. I have a, a feeling that we're going to be doing a lot of those howls during the final quest. I, I'm pretty certain that that will not be the, the final howl that we do on this yeah. podcast. Yeah. So um, for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying to end this on a positive note. <laughs> I know. I don't know if we can now. I don't know if it's possible. Right. Let's just talk about Corfei quickly. She's really cute. She's cute. Yeah. She makes you know she makes cute little faces with a, and blows air in her cheeks. And she has those little wings. <laughs> All right, that's All right. better. All right, done. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, then, until until next time. Yes, we'll talk soon. Thanks, everyone. Right, bye, everyone. Bye. That is the end of our review of ElfQuest, the Final Quest special. The music that you heard at the top of the podcast was a track called Hunting for Experience by Epicus from their album An Epic Journey. And you can find music by Epicus and thousands of other artists royalty-free for your podcasts or any other multimedia projects on jamendo.com. That's J-A-M-E-N-D-O dot com. Well, that's it for this episode of the ElfQuest Show podcast. As always, you can join the discussion on the official forums on ElfQuest.com on Twitter at, at ElfQuest, or on any of several Facebook pages, including the official ElfQuest Facebook page and the ElfQuest Facebook fan page. Don't forget, you can read the entire ElfQuest back catalog at ElfQuest.com, along with tons of other great stuff like character bios, behind-the-scenes features, and more. The Final Quest is published by Dark Horse Comics, and you can get the latest issue of ElfQuest the minute it comes out at digital.darkhorse.com. Until next time, shade and sweet water. <laughs>